Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, UHF. In the year 1989, cinema got weird. Weird. Okay, so yeah, we're in that like, maybe it's a sci-fi. Well, it's not a sci-fi. Let's just be straight. It's not a sci-fi. It's got a space alien in it. It's got a space it's everything. That, that was it's everything. everything. That was my excuse for for going with it. I'm like, well, yeah, it's got that alien stuff, so that's cool. It is. It's UHF. Um, it's like the Bible of Weird Al. Um, this is Matt here. This is Luke. It's a sci-fi sanctuary. Andrew's back. Andrew Shear from Godzilla. Hey, 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 nice to be back. I, I don't think it's superfluous to say that this movie was basically our Bible growing up. Like it was certainly more important than the Bible. <laughs> well, most things are for me. But, uh, <laughs> no, you were the Weird Al fan. I kind of just was sort of surface level as far as his success in pop music was. I didn't own any of his albums, anything like that. Whereas you, you were more into it. And so you're the reason why I heard a lot of uh, his music. And then uh, the movie coming out, I suppose, was a bigger deal for you. I, I remember you saw it before I did, and then you came and tried to describe all the jokes to me afterward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've been doing that for 30 years. That's cool. Yeah, You're I, about to try and do that for our listeners, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's weird. Actually, this, this, is, this is what I like now. Um, I can't really stand the music. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not, I, I can't have that conversation, but I mean... <laughs> I the last time I watched UHF was I don't know had to have been within the last decade, but I've seen it. I mean, I always considered it in my top comedies ever done. I yeah, it's actually been a long time since I watched it, probably because I basically had it memorized. But the main point is this same is an SCTV <laughs> is our impetus to just start filming insane TV shows all the time in great part. Oh, so <laughs> it was absolutely, and um, I can remember uh, I saw it the weekend that Batman came out because I could not get tickets for Batman. That felt like the first half of a sentence. I mean, that, that's kind of a story in and of itself, I think. <laughs> no, I, we, we went, we went to the theater to 12 Oaks to try and see Batman on opening night. And uh, there were no seats left. So we bought UHF tickets. Uh, it was playing the same place i don't know if it had come out like already before if it was opening night for uhf as well but i just remember going to school on monday and everyone having had seen batman and i was trying to convince everyone that uhf was the superior movie i think if it Matt might saw be... it before you it can't have been opening night no you just said that matt saw it first he did, did so I? it can't be 
Unless you literally you met him at the theater. Well, I opening, he came, yeah. No, I meant opening weekend. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Objection! I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your statement's not lining up, Mister Sheer. <laughs> Why isn't your temporal knowledge from thirty-three years ago, like you know, like straight? <laughs> uh, time is a concept made by colonizers. There you go. Luke, this was your first experience, kind of a w- weird backdoor into this one. Yeah, well, I already knew Weird Al, obviously. My my thing on Weird Al has been he's never been laugh out loud funny. But if you're going to have a song stuck in your head, it's more fun to have the Weird Al lyrics stuck in your head than the real ones. <laughs> oh, the pair, yeah. I will give um, I will give props to his band is pretty amazing. Like because they can rep like on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the different stuff. I appreciate that. I'm just like for me. Yeah, I, I guess I not a big fan of the joke song anymore. Well, I was when I was 10 and now I'm not. Let's put it that way. Oh, oh, have you have you been to the concert then? I haven't. I've just seen footage. I know they have a reputation for basically like being like basically his band is like session musician quality. Right. So. Yeah, no, I I know people that still go to the concerts. Apparently, they're incredible. It's like he has a costume to go with each song and things like that. Right, right. But um, I I'm basically excited about about this movie. So it's one of the things where like you know like Ghostbusters something where I like just have the dialogue memorized that sort of thing. Um, now will this episode come out before the uh, the Daniel Radcliffe? Um, it's gonna be around the same time, I think. Yeah, maybe okay. right after. So you can see that. That looks like, like that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited for that because when me and Matt watched Bohemian Rhapsody, we walked out and Matt was like, "That was just biopic, the biopic." <laughs> and like, it's weird. True. I was just actually making biopic, the biopic. <laughs> That's great. That's so true. But um, so so we've left the plot to Luke coming into this one cold. So you know, future Luke will will plug that in. George Newman is a daydream believer, but not quite a homecoming queen, who repeatedly gets fired from jobs along with his best friend, Bob. Eventually, he manages to stumble into his uncle's new UHF station and become the manager. He's so busy trying to get it on its feet that he's dumped by his girlfriend, Terry. And depressed, he walks out and leaves janitor Andy? I forgot the janitor's name, Matt. Stanley Spadowski. Stanley! Stanley Spadowski to run the kids' show, which is a big hit. So they start just running whatever they feel like and capturing the city's hearts. Local affiliate station, Channel 8, wants to put them out of business and tries to buy the station from George's uncle for $75,000. So George runs a telethon to raise the money. There's some hijinks, there's some nonsense, there's some funny sketches, but of course the good guys win in the end because this is an 80s comedy. And Philo goes home to space.
actors here, uh, kind of an interesting array to discuss. Um, I'm sorry, Luke, I'm going to ask you to be the man in the chair because I needed to shut down my Chrome because it was getting wonky. Well, uh, Weird Al Yankovic is there as oh, is he in George this movie? Newman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Is, is he a good actor? Is he, he's a good comedic actor. He's great in this. I yeah, mean, he, he does the job. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think his music is that entertaining or funny, um, <laughs> but I do think this movie is hysterically fun. Oh, I mean, exactly. My yeah. my disappointment was always that he just kept making albums, and I, he had a TV show for a little while that was not as good as UHF, and um, oh. you know, Uncle Muscles on Tim and Eric. That's that's kind of fun, but that's fleeting. So, <laughs> I was gonna say this. Um... This this if I was going to consider myself a Weird Al fan, this is, movie is kind of I guess where it begins and ends for me. I mean, at this point, that's also what I would. That's where I am. Um, I recently, I actually did put his albums uh, on, uh, on his on my iPad recently, right? And I quickly got down to having only the '80s albums on there, and then I never listened to those. So <laughs> <laughs> nicely done. Yeah. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. And then I was like, no, I'm just I'm just not feeling that. So music wise can appreciate it. Not into it. Uh, movie. Yeah, I, I I like his presence in this. Um, I, I feel like he, he betrayed us when he cut his hair and mustache off, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fro and mustache just seem like the right look. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, you're, if you're calling yourself weird, you can't just have a normal haircut. I mean, he did yeah, get like another weird now. haircut later, but yeah, but he got rid of the mustache. <laughs> Having a mustache is, you know, mildly weird, I guess. So, um, <laughs> um, I, other, yeah, I, I wouldn't hire him as a dramatic actor, but everything he does in this film is fine. Like he hits what he needs to. He is funny. And, you know, he's likable, I think, is the main thing. We often talk on this podcast about the difference between like an actor who can act and an actor who's just charming enough to carry a film. Right. And I think Al has enough of that part. Now, of course, as as the heel, we get uh, R.J. Michael, Fletcher. As, Michael oh, Richards. Not, okay. Oh, no, no, well, he, sorry. Kevin McCarthy. Sorry. I was about to say, Michael Richards is the heel of real life. But no, yeah, they're next to each other on the list. They're next to each other on the list. I don't think I've done it since Michael Richards' like racist flip out. I don't think I've seen it since then. What a different experience it must be. <laughs> oh, this is all news to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the fuck Michael Richards is. Okay, so this is probably more for the UK audience. He played Kramer on Seinfeld, right? Oh, I tried uh, to recognize him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about 10 years ago, he was doing stand-up in New York City and had a complete, like, well, as Andrew said, a racist flip-out and was one of the first to, you know, like, um, I I'd say he's the first modern cancel where it's, like, pretty completely justified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was one of the first celebrities that, you know, they did that. And then everybody was like, OK, hands off. His career pretty much ended right there. No, it wasn't okay. until you said he's Kramer. I can recognize him because he's playing such a cartoon character in this. I love him in this movie. Like, oh, he he's was, great. Stanley was always my favorite character in this movie. That's why it's kind of a bummer. It's like, well, yeah, I like Seinfeld. I like Kramer. I like Stanley in this movie. It's too bad the, the actor's, you know, a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, Stanley is not a racist, as you can see. He's uh no, he's you know. he's uh, accepting of all all everything everything just every, and not oh. even like people just everything he's accepting of everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. So um yeah, but yeah, I think Michael Richards was the 
I, I think Gibson was uh, the the big the big supernova of of that sort of thing, and maybe Michael Richards was next in line. So he's real early on for that. But uh, that's yeah, that's that's true. But uh, Kevin McCarthy is R.J. Fletcher, probably my second favorite character because McCarthy, um, you know, he's from those all all those great sci-fi movies, wasn't he? In a couple of Twilight Zones as well. I mean, this guy was a he was know. definitely in, in Body Snatchers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably his best known outside of, well, for me anyway, I knew him from UHF first and then later saw him in Body Snatchers. I mean, I'd, I'd give him the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in at least, he's in like three Twilight Zones. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Like, I'd give him the MB, uh, um, MP fee. Sorry, I'm not a baseball guy. Uh, most valuable MVP. player. Thank you. I just couldn't spit it out right um, for this movie because this movie does take the 80s thing of you know, 50 minutes of fun and then the plot has to kick in. But since he's such a shithole, like it's still pretty entertaining (laughs) when the plot (laughs) kicks in. (laughs) Like, honest, yes, in in the the end, it would have been nicer just to keep seeing like insane, you know, UHF skits. But I guess you have to have the semblance of a plot. So he he definitely makes that pill go down a little better than a lot of other 80s movies. I love the scene where he loses his stapler and then he fires Stanley. And then Stanley, of course, goes out the door and starts muttering to himself and realizes he's actually still in the office. <laughs> but, then, but then when he really leaves R.J. Fletcher, the face that Kevin McCarthy has there when he's like, hmm, my stapler was sitting here the whole time. And he starts to laugh, his laugh. And again, when he says, I guess I'll have to turn this whole place into a parking lot. The laugh is just awesome. Kevin McCarthy's laugh is everything in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes as a as a just a joke, we, we kind of think of the idea of um when we're teaching classes as going nuts because we can't find our pen, which eventually, you know, is in our pocket, right? <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> nice, nice ways to traumatize. I don't know. Uh who else is in here? Um oh his buddy is is in something notable. George David Bowe, not quite Bowie, is the actor. <laughs> A few good men made in America, heavyweights. Fix the, the rock. Oh, he's okay. in rubber. Have you guys seen rubber? Oh, yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> One of my favorites. No, I think he's in Shakes the Clown. Filmography. Or maybe it's just because he plays Bobo's been eating Yappy's dog treats. <laughs> it's not in his Wikipedia filmography. Okay, well, then he was. You're mixing him with Bobcat. Isn't that Bobcat's movie? Yes, it is. David okay. Bowe. David Bow without the E, but it's got an E. It's so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he's fine. Here. I'm just like, <laughs> basically, I'm just bringing him up because he's in other. Well, the weird movies. thing I noticed, all of the actors in this, I assumed were just like unfamous actors who were friends with Al because so the way they play all of their characters is very like, over the top but amateurish and like my first role kind of acting well but but it turns out most of them have done other stuff and we're just doing that deliberately yeah i think some were playing themselves uh obviously like dr demento the kipper kids uh emo phillips pretty much too um but uh who was uh, rj fletcher jr is played by john paragon who also played jambi the genie passed away i think last year he was Elvira's main writer for her entire career, basically. But yeah, he was the he was the spoiled brat of the station manager. I don't think I ever caught on to that. I guess you know you put you cover someone with blue makeup and throw on a weird turban, and and that's what happens. 
Right. Well, I mean, for fans, <laughs> that's there. And then, um, yeah, uh, Billy Barty. Oh, my God. That was one of the most famous um, little people actors, you know. I, I guess he was the Deep Roy of the 80s. Well, I thought Deep Roy was Deep Roy of the 80s. <laughs> I feel like I didn't start seeing him until around 2000. I don't know. Then, no, no. Then you got into Phil Fondacaro and um, Warwick Davis, who's Warwick is still one of the go-to's. Isn't he yep. actually working on the, some new Willow? Mm-hmm. I think he's oh, it's set. coming out. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a Willow yeah. miniseries coming up. Okay. Is anyone excited about that? Gary Butterfield is excited about that. Okay. <laughs> That's a name. <laughs> you just said whoever owns the. Willow Properties probably his, his pockets are excited. Isn't it George Lucas? I don't think he needs it. The idea of George Lucas with excited pockets just made me really get grossed out, and I regret having said the phrase "excited pockets." There are no bras in space. <laughs> Thank you, George. Anyway, here's um here's an anecdote which I can't share on my Pokemon podcast. I was teaching my junior high school boys last week. And they learned that it's very funny language to ask me if I've got a monster in my pocket. And then, <laughs> so I say, yeah, and named the longest dragon Pokemon I could think of. <laughs> awesome. Did they get it? Did they laugh? Oh, yeah. They thought that was the funniest shit ever. So then they were all doing it. Oh, you win, man. Oh, speaking <laughs> of people who were canceled, Victoria Jackson ended up being... Uh, she was a Saturday Night Live person. She yeah, that's what I'll say. Because she, she, she this was like when she was prime time on Saturday Night Live, when it was just rehabilitating, right? Just after yeah. the Joe Joe Piscopo and um, Jim Belushi. Oh, and what, uh, Anthony Michael Hall year. That that was the yeah. The, the she worst, came was back it? in with a, a lot of the mo- most famous '80s and yeah, well-known. Um, so they brought back Saturday Night Live, basically. But yeah, she and um, Dennis Miller from SNL. Turned into these huge right-wing nut jobs. Oh, okay. Jackson has appeared in productions such as the 2007 Christian comedy concert "Thou Shalt Laugh Too." The Deuce. <laughs> the I bet that's deuce. great. I'll <laughs> shout laugh at this movie. <laughs> I love Luke's I bet That's great. <laughs> okay, so that's what she's doing now. Great. <laughs> Yeah, we're just like, oh, I remember her from Saturday Night Live. Here she is, yay! And I like her nope. in this movie once again. And I like, um, you know, speaking of Dennis Miller, Bordello of Blood. Love that movie. But uh, yeah, that's they are they're frozen in time in a movie that is great because no one knew how nuts they were at the time. I think um, the guy who does the teaching poodles how to fly, I think he's passed on too. I liked. Um... Giri Watanabe is the karate instructor. And oh I've seen the gif of them opening the supplies closet and they'll go, supplies! So many yeah, times not, I had no idea it was from this film. That's <laughs> not racist at all. And the, uh, you know, I feel like stupid, you're so stupid's a meme. Yep. Yeah. Are you but... ready, Weaver? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's, had a, he's had a long career, presumably always playing token Japanese guys, but still, he's done a lot of stuff. Is he in Better Off Dead? Uh, nope. He's in okay. Mulan. No, okay. That's yeah. Being Chinese, but sure. Yeah. No, I, I, uh... oh, he was in Armageddon as Asian tourist. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of just the whole supplies thing that's like pushes it over the edge. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. But like, 
Japanese yeah. accents do do that. <laughs> like, yeah. it, what would, if you'd what said would you that, all know about it? <laughs> like, a Japanese person would find that to be a funny joke, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when Luke and I order food in restaurants, we sound offensive. Yeah, you have. If you try, if I say I'll have the double cheeseburger, they don't know what I'm saying. I have to say double cheeseburger, <laughs> and then they know what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> so when, yeah. When in Japan, right? You don't speak like, Japanese, even for the English words. Katakana. <laughs> we're in, in the middle of Oklahoma somewhere shooting this movie. Uh, yeah, as I recall, I the, the DVD commentary was pretty great there with Weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, actually watching it this time, I was it was kind of like blowing my mind a little bit because when the uncle lands, it's LAX and oh, welcome back to LA. I'm like, wait, they're not in LA. They're in like Oklahoma or something, aren't they? So like, I, I just always assumed this was Midwest. Honestly, I think it should be assumed this is like somewhere in the Midwest nowhere. Like, you know, I like to think of the affiliate as like, oh, we're the big time affiliate, but they're still like in a podunk town. <laughs> Wait, so Luke, you're the one who's seen this most recently. Is, is that yeah, a, uh, that might fall last. So um, what, were the, what were the things that made you laugh the hardest, if you laughed very hard at any of them? So the, of the first 10, 20 minutes, I was not very into it at all. Um, and then it was once they started doing the, the shows on the UHF, and it felt like almost... Um, I forgot... Nah, who are the, the weird the weird comedy guys? No, no, no. You have a bunch of them on like Mr. A drive. Show. Yeah, yeah, not no Mr. Show and the other one. Um Upright Citizens Brigade. No, 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 Tim no, no. Eric. Tim and Eric. It That's felt so Tim and Eric. Oh, I didn't hear you. Yeah, it felt mega Tim and Eric. Um, because it felt ridiculous, but believably ridiculous. That like, I think that's the charm that maybe got us as kids watching it because we were like oh shit we can do that <laughs> like if someone had just clipped these the the show segments and put them on youtube like and told you oh yeah this aired on some uhf station on whatever date you wouldn't like believe it believe it but you'd let yourself believe it while you're watching it that's a good point because back then when it came out i was i and still am very influenced by sketch based shows hmm. everything i make is on the short side everything i love back then think about it mtv was huge so we were seeing pretty much two to three minute short films all day long watching mtv right same with like nickelodeon think shows like that even sesame street you know and so uh and saturday night live definitely it, well years as you said 89 uh, 89 yeah, yeah. 89. i was totally a saturday night live nut by 89 and so the sketch based thing i think appealed to us because I don't know. I speaking for myself, I didn't have the um, maybe the temperament to, to be a feature film consumer, you know? Right. So we were often fed like sitcoms and like I said, sketch shows, music videos, stand up comedy. Everything was short, short, short. And so that may be why we connected so much with those parts of UHF versus like you were saying, the actual framing story. 
Yeah, the film parts felt like pretty by the number. It reminded me of like, not Airplane, but like the great below Airplane. Like Airplane 2 where Shatner goes into space. Yeah, yeah. where it's just, they just throw every joke at the wall and one in 10 sticks. (laughs) But once they, when they were doing the main bit, like you say, Matt, every 80s comedy has the fun part. In this film, it is the UHF shows, and they were really fun. Like, even um, Stanley, when we first met Stanley, I was like, oh, God, what is this guy doing? But <laughs> once you get to him on his show, and you realize why the character is like that and why he's lovable, those scenes are great. I tell you, what, you- I, what scene I still think is hilarious, man. And this is from not me having not seen it in decade, at least maybe more, was when... You know, you we, we're getting into like the the end of Act Two, where things are starting to go into you know go to hell for George and the station running out of money. Stanley walks over, and he says, "What's the matter, George?" And George goes, "Believe me, Stanley, you don't want to know." And then Stanley pauses and goes, "Why'd I ask?" Yeah, <laughs> that is just purely brilliant. Like I think right, that's right now, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, I can go with that. No, the, just, you, the lines of just Stanley is done are like very good. Okay. So I don't know who. Do we know who wrote this? Or was it just Al himself writing it? His manager, I think, directed it, right? So maybe it was them. Uh, so directed by Jay Levy, written by Weirdo Yankovic and Jay Levy. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Well, not, not... not even a clickable name on Wikipedia is Jay Levy. Jay Levy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's it's it's. Uh, I guess weird, as you said, uh, Weird Al's manager. So yeah, that doesn't necessarily get to a wiki page, especially when you didn't. I mean, he's still the manager. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he well, we, he had to have he had to have been the person in between Orion Pictures and Al, just going like making sure Al was left alone to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, you know. No, you said the first 20 minutes didn't really stick to your ribs so well, right? Which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, but I do just have to ask about the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. It's, it's that made a hit. <laughs> uh, I, no, I just assume that's what you guys eat over there in America. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> our drummer, Dan, in our band that we had, um, I think he was also a huge UHF fan and at one point did try a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. I feel like either you or Matt has told me that before. Yeah. (laughs) Or I've heard it on one of Matt's other podcasts. But yeah, I can believe it. We've (laughs) then also got to dip it, I think, in milk, was it? As well. And you put like cheese whiz on it. Yeah, it was it was it was cheese on a hot the only gross part really is the Twinkie. Cheese and hot dogs, fine. So it's just it's just a different kind of bread, really. With and in little... Japan, the bread's so damn sweet. Most hot dogs are um, Twinkie well, hot dogs. I had um, just last weekend. We went to this restaurant, and and the dessert it was like ice cream, and under it was a pudding, and the pudding was salt olive oil pudding. <laughs> it sounds ter- it's really good. I mean, yeah. So and yeah, did. It doesn't sound good, I, but once you start, you're like, this is weirdly good. Why is it so? Hey, that, I guess that's why they have chefs. Well, yeah, I had a uh, I had a 15 hour layover in Ethiopia a couple of weeks back, and I was telling Matt in Ethiopia, nothing tastes how it looks like it tastes. 
Hmm. Like it looks like some sort of sweet cakey pancake. It's really sour. It looks like a sort of meat chili. It's really sweet. <laughs> it's, everything was the opposite taste you think it's going to be. It was all great. Wow. It was really good. Nothing tastes how it looks like it tastes. Wow. It's like, is this lollipop really a butthole with an eyeball in it? Yes, but it's very sweet. Yeah. But you tell <laughs> me you don't eat ass, Andrew? <laughs> Man, that could be a whole entire. I don't. I got like a few minutes left. So if you want to get into that, we can. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. Um. Although, Andrew, did you ever get any of the Ethiopian places in Atlanta? I know they at least used to have a bunch of them. Oh, Ethiopia. Uh, yeah, we've got one here in Athens called Manawinta, and it is excellent. Like I mm. could eat so much of that. Um, particularly that that uh, that bread that is essentially a kind of like a pancake yeah um, yeah yeah. we had a bunch of that yeah that stuff is that's like a staple um but yeah they they serve i mean it, it's similar i guess to indian um but i feel it's much better for you um it's, it's definitely just, a different vibe like a, yeah it's a kind of a clean eat even though it looks heavy it doesn't stick mm. on you like like an indian food would so anyway um you were to work for george newman and, and you you were going to have one show on his lineup what would your show be? Basically, be jackass. <laughs> <laughs> like your, like your Batman video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just be like Luke. I'm gonna go outside and do some dumb shit, and someone's gonna film me and pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're making '80s jackass, okay, Andrew? You only get one show on the on this UHF station. Oh, that would be easy for me. It would be solo women's jello wrestling. Meant they they didn't have an opponent. They would have to wrestle themselves, <laughs> like sort of Bruce Campbell, Evil <laughs> Dead Two kind of thing. <laughs> Without question, absolutely yes. Excellent, Matt. I'm going to take a, a little page from Tim and Eric and retrofit it back here. Um, something like their um, what is it, a morning minute or something? Stuff that's going to be like the Gong Show. So it's like the Gong Show, right? People come on, but but it's all just like you know trippy, bizarre stuff like throat singing. Or, or disturbing poetry, or that one old guy. I think Abe Vigoda shows up and just starts smacking his lips or something. So I want something. You know what like I that. love about about all three of these concepts is they could easily do crossovers all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you have the women's wrestling while you have um, you know, like old men standing around smacking their lips and 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 you hear screaming from outside. I'll put on Luke. a bikini and wrestle myself in jello for you, Andrew, anytime. <laughs> hey, same. You know what? Nice. <laughs> and I think to cross over with the jackass thing, maybe they there would just be a time limit in which the uh, the jello was then replaced with like horse poop. Uh, <laughs> maybe all the stunts could be jello based. I don't know. Or maybe like you... on the gong show, uh, instead of a gong, you are punched in the face. <laughs> so it just walks up and <laughs> decks you. Yeah. In I the like throat that. or the stomach, maybe. Throat, 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 for sure. Throat. throat singer. Oh, his career would be over. I yeah. think my jackass answer was too broad. My answer is my show is punch in the face. <laughs> when Today I'm for- joined by Harry McNeil. He walked all across America to raise money for charity. And I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets the green light? That's uh. I, see, even SCTV got to that a little bit. They had the um the morning fa- movie farm report thing where they were blowing everyone up real good. So that's right, yeah. Is, is, Bowling is that... for ass whooping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There should be a UHF too. Uh, again, uh, my big shame is that 
Al didn't just transition to making movies because that that's kind of what I think both of us wanted at least. <laughs> sure, but now we've got YouTube, which is pretty much take your pick, right? Just create your lineup, your playlist. You've got UHF. That is true. As a Brit, I've got to ask you too, like, what was the deal with UHF? Oh, okay. Yeah. So VHF is the networks. That's like ABC, CBS, you know, Disney owns ABC, all that. Right. So they got the, the national newscasters, the, the first line sitcoms, the big advertising money. Um, and those are channels like what, 20 and under, is it? No, it's not. It's even less than that. It's like 13 yeah, and no. under. Because 17 was UHF in Atlanta. Yeah. 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 So 11 was still VHF. Um, so UHF didn't have the backing of like major corporations necessarily. I mean, 17 in Atlanta was Superstation, which is Ted Turner. So, you know, that obviously is big money. But you get, um, I was just mentioning watching Thunderbirds, right? On channel 69, like where I'd have to watch it through a layer of fuzz because that was like the super ghetto station and the most fun to watch because you never knew what was going to show up on that station which is the charm of this movie there'd be like way up in the numbers just the totally strange stations you might not even get great reception on and they just showed insane shit yeah vhf is was was like um you know civilization and uhf really was sort of the wild west outer space but you whatever you because in the UK, we had BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, and Channel Four. And around the year 2000, we got Channel Five. And that was it, unless you were like paying for cable or Sky. So you know, we, there were just national TV channels, and there was just five of them. So yeah. this is all wild to me. Okay, yeah, because um, what do we have growing up? We had the three affiliates, public television, um, and then... Two public television stations. And, and then up in the upper numbers, that was the thing. Um, when UPN or Fox wanted to start their own networks, like in the 90s, they had to go for these like um, VHFs, excuse me, UHF stations. So around the 90s, what the UHF you're seeing in this basically started to dissipate. Mm. Um, so by the late 90s, those UHF stations were simply uh, the Paramount station or Fox. Okay. So this so was kind of made to, the tail end of that, you know, scene. I've got to bounce, y'all. Word so. up. Okay. Thanks for joining in. Right. Uh, Peace. Peace and chicken grease. Right on. <clears throat> okay. Now that we've had the big television description, but yeah, I guess if you're not American, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah. <laughs> Although I'd 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 pictured Americans having even more channels than you just described. But I guess that's because a lot of people had cable. People were getting cable in the 80s, so they probably had about 30 channels. I keep talking about going up to my aunts who did have cable, and we'd get the you know massive TV guide, cable TV guide, and plot out what movies we had to record while or wanted to record while we were there. So, um, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, by 2000, Americans have satellites and like 2,000 stations or whatever. But uh, I, I think we were talking about Tim and Eric, some, and their scene was kind of public access. So right. on, on cable, you'd start the, the cable company itself 
and this i think this is wayne's world too where they would just like oh let's we we have this you know we have this station on cable let's just put stuff on it right. which had even lower standards than uhf hence the tim and eric stuff in, in uh wayne's world so okay okay yeah yeah, yeah i guess there is a fair amount of explanation here it doesn't really bounce across i mean the I, I could well. i could get it from watching the film but yeah it's not something we had but, it was much um, more controlled it wasn't the wild west but yeah like i said you know I, i've seen this 847 times but not recently this was my first recent view so um yeah it's, it's really hard for me to even tell if this is actually a good movie or not uh, it's not <laughs> <laughs> like my my overall impression of it and this that's why i'm so surprised to learn how big a lot of these actors were was it came across like a film made by a bunch of like ideas guys who forgot to like hire some actual competent guys to pull it off. <laughs> so there's loads of really funny jokes and really great lines, but the delivery of it is either just like a bit off or like really overdone. And none of it feels like, you know, people at the top of their game doing great comedy, but like the concept and the gags are brilliant. I feel like this movie um, also is in the kind you mentioned like stuff like airplane and hot shots. Mm. The other thing that's kind of drifting into this is the um, the low rent sketch comedy movie, which was uh, kind of, I guess, big in the late 70s and early 80s, like the groove tube, the Kentucky Fried movie. And if those are not landing any hits with your mind, that's fine because right. they're mostly justly forgotten. They were just like, let's, you know. Well, I would say there was around the sort of the late 90s, early 2000s that came back in the form of the scary movie, superhero movie, meet the Spartans kind of thing. Yeah. Well, can, uh, it still would of... pretend to be a held together as a movie, but basically it was a series of sketches. Yeah, I can basically go with that. But yeah, yeah, this is that's kind of like where when Weird Al went to TV, I think he ended up doing something like a kid, like an actual kid show. All right. Like. You know, like Pee Wee's Playhouse sort of style thing where Gazunda, where I think maybe like since this movie is there, everyone's in the back of their mind. It's like, do a sketch show, dude. Hmm. So I, I guess, you know, there, uh, like we said, he puts on massive concerts. He has massive fans, but there's certainly a subset of us that are disappointed that the man did not just start making like filmed comedy like, yeah. properly. Because I mean, let's say, let, what if this was the first movie of like you know a five movie comedy run where movies two and three are like pretty phenomenal then you look back yeah, yeah. it'd be, it'd be you know just like that first little step yep well yeah i mean i can i can tell you right now why that didn't happen sure budget five million box office 6.1 million okay there we go <laughs> <laughs> well everyone's going to see batman yep i feel like i saw a preview of batman like a week early or something I don't so yeah because yeah I don't think I missed an opening weekend anyway again thirty three year old memory is not quite yeah, yeah. working I do remember the first movie I went to buy I went to buy myself was the Rocketeer though also a preview <laughs> there's a movie that pe- we actually we should talk about on this podcast sometime but it's one that people don't tend to remember that much are you familiar with the Rocketeer I'm, I don't think I've seen it but I'm aware of it it came out a month after Batman yeah 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 so maybe I went to Batman with with my parents or something and then went to Rocketeer by myself because they were like, okay, we're finished with the superhero shit. I, I mean, UHF came out a month after Batman. Oh, okay. So he's... he's. But yeah, Batman he's, definitely still would have been running, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, I mean, it was popular. It's still been sold out a month in. So, <laughs> um, since we're giving this one a little bit of a weird wonk, is there anything else you really want to put out on this movie? Uh, I was kind of like, well, if Andrew's bowing out and it's a shorter episode, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it was never a film we were going to have like an hour of deep intellectual thoughts about. Oh, um, I do. Uh, the the Burley men um, impressions. I gotta gotta ask about those. You mean when he has the muscle suit at the end when he's Rambo? Uh-huh. And the dude that does the Schwarzenegger for a few seconds. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell if he was in a costume or just actually a muscular man. Oh, the, the Schwarzenegger guy? Yeah. I think he was actually big. Yeah, because he wasn't an actor, I'll tell you that. That yeah, was great. They... Conan the Librarian is, is the perfect, like, dumb joke given just enough, just as long as it needs. Yeah. Same the, with Gandhi, with the... too. Gandhi, too, was great. <laughs> And then George having a chat show where he talks to like lesbian Nazis <laughs> and Satan. <laughs> the, the, the UHF bits of this film are great. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. They just really inspired us as kids. To, yeah. I mean, again, we, because of this and Saturday Night Live and a, a CTV too, we just were like, we want to film like these short little bursts of insanity. Well, when you're a kid, you watch a comedy film like this. You only remember the good bits. Like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the mask and I've gone back and watched the mask as an adult. He wears the mask for like 10 minutes cumulatively in that film. And they're gold. The other 80 minutes of that film is dog shit (laughs) because it's a film where Jim Carrey's not allowed to Jim Carrey. So it's just the most boring shit. But the mask bits are stupendous. Did you ever watch Son of the Mask? God, no. Uh, That was on. I I didn't choose to watch it. It was like. (laughs) This was several years back, and um, it's like my mother-in-law really likes the mask. So, oh, here's some of the mask. I was like, I've heard really bad things about that. But I watched it, and yeah. for the rest of the day, I just felt really depressed. <laughs> but, I mean, it's supposed to be a comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it made me feel depressed for like a whole day. <laughs> So that, that was Son of the Mask anyway. This movie yeah. doesn't make you feel depressed. No. I guess it's good inspiration juice. That's where maybe I'm so yeah, disappointed yeah. that the, the, the Owl film thing yeah it didn't inspire him the way it inspired you that yes exactly that's it because musically he you know i once i actually started playing music and actually getting into music i instantly was like i don't want to listen to weird al so (laughs) which kind of continues to this day again i was like even like trying to be okay i'll try a little bit on my ipad and i just don't care (laughs) yeah i don't often go out of my way to listen to weird al but it amuses me if i hear one of the songs that he's done and like his lyrics get into my head that's fun yeah, yeah, and I, I am, I am genuinely up for weird. Weird looks really funny. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's one of the reasons we are doing this. Yeah, but like, I, I guess, like I, I'm doing song collaborations with 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 um, that dude in Florida, right? And occasionally he'll send me something. It's like I wrote different lyrics to like a famous song. I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna do that, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. And, and in this case, it's not like a joke. It's like I don't know. It's just that that doesn't feel. Uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So. He's trying to get you to do Vanilla Ice. Yeah, that's right. Oh, hey, if he had rewritten, if he'd like rewritten his own lyrics to like oh, Ice Ice Baby, I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's like a Neil Young song, it's kind of like, yeah, I like the Neil Young song. I, I could do a cover of it. But no, I specifically meant how Vanilla Ice was using, basically reused under pressure, which I know is sampling and it's a different thing, but. Yeah, yeah. But no, if he had re- rewritten the lyrics to um, Ice Ice Baby, that, that would be a different story. I might have to do that. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, it's probably yeah. sounded like I'm kind of down on this film, but if you go into it just ready for something that is, you know, it's not a great stuff, but it's the highs are very high and the lows are still charming. It's yeah, definitely it has, watchable. It has very 80s comedy syndrome for sure. Yeah. Like I but said, also, ends- just go onto Google and put watch UHF film, and literally the first result lets you watch the whole film. Right. <laughs> this is not a difficult film to check out. <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, In Minecraft. Box office, five million, budget, six million, right? Yeah. No, another way around. It, oh, was, it, around. Did, it did make one million profit. Oh, right. Well, that See, probably doesn't take into account marketing and distribution. So I don't know if it had much of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but a few people liked it. Again, uh, on MTV in 1989, his videos were extremely popular. So they're, I think it like, has had a bit of like a cult reappraisal. I think it is somewhat beloved these days yeah you're obviously you don't have to convince me so <laughs> but yeah, yeah you know i do and even this time i guess yeah i was like the first few minutes i was kind of thinking i don't know is how luke even gonna respond to this it is a bit draggy so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, like i said i i was bits. i was sitting through the early part like ooh, matt what are you getting me to watch and then <laughs> it does it does find itself as you go right okay well i guess we will um wrap it up for today since Andrew had to jump out just if you want to see his jam and, and see those short little bits of film he was talking about that he makes uh, you know search up Gonzorific on Instagram or Gonzorific.com so there I, I plugged his plug you do our thing you can find this podcast on Twitter at MLSFS pod or also on Facebook YouTube Spotify Apple Podcasts. make sure you like and subscribe rate and review tell all your friends if you want to help keep it online you can support us at patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius and if you go to that link, even if you don't want to give us any money, you can find Matt's podcasts, the Twilight Zone podcast, Time Enough podcast, his podcast about weird ephemera and educational films and everything else called Oral Hygiene. You can find my Pokemon podcast, Luke Loves Pokemon. You can find our Monster Hunter podcast, Monster Mash. And you can find the Game Game Show, a game show about games. Uh, Matt, how do you describe that podcast? Uh, for british men insulting each other yeah that's what you always say <laughs> apparently <laughs> that sells people on it so there you go all right all right nice job with that your prize is a drink from the fire hose <laughs>